Hey guys, this is Rob Carbone. Welcome to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankee info than by listening to this podcast right here, right now. What's up, guys? What's going on? Rob Carbone here, coming at you on a Thursday morning, one in the morning, uh, just coming off a Yanks series win against the Minnesota Twins. So I'm in a great mood. <laughs> I'm in a good mood. I'm sure you're in a good mood. And twins, the Twins might not be in a good mood. The annoying little Twins who played New York, New York, after every time the Yankees struck out in that series, which was a little weird. You know, I'd expect something like that from maybe Boston, you know. But the Twins? I mean, I, it's clearly a, a, a psychological thing. I mean, we're in their friggin' heads. But I was laughing at that. I got a kick out of it. But Yanks get the last laugh in the end by winning two of the three games, winning the final two games of the set. And, I mean, what a series that was, right? What a series that was. If you like pitching, you know, it wasn't the series to watch. Kind of like that London gimmick, you know, a month back. But, um, no, it was not a pretty series for the Yankee pitching staff. It was a joke. But you could say the same for the Twins pitching staff, that it was an excellent series for the Yankee Bats. Because, you know, the entire mantra we've had all year was about is about it has been about this resiliency that they're never they're never ever out of it that they're always capable of coming back. Not just because they can have that one big swing this time, but this year because of those multiple different swings that they have these multiple, you know, different ways of attacking you now. They don't. They no longer score by just using the home run. They do it by hitting the single. They do it by hitting the double, hitting the triple, two tonight, hitting the homer, drawing a walk. I mean, their play discipline has been impeccable this year. I mean, not that it was ever terrible. They've always been a good team who can pad the OBP, but they've been able to do everything this year, man. They're always in favor of the count. The count is always in their favor. They're always up in the count, and that's been a big reason to why they've been hitting the ball so well at such a high clip this year. I mean, we just dropped 24 runs in the span of two games. (laughs) So let's dive into it a little. We'll start with the second game because I don't really like to talk about the first one. Kind of a boring Yankee loss. But um, that second game, man, oh my God, right? Oh my God. I mean, there's so many, there's so many, there are so many things that happen in that middle game that I don't even, I had a hard time recapping it. I told everybody in the recap that I was just going to make it short and quick and it ended up being one of my longest because I tried to remember everything and just, it was just a sporadic, unorganized mess. It because that was, that was the story of the game. It was just a mess. It was so back and forth. There was about seven lead changes, and don't quote me on that because I'm just estimating. I'm probably around the right number though because that's how up and down it was. You get them. So the Yankees. Okay, so the Yankees start off that game by uh, Didi Gregorius two RBI double off of Kyle Gibson, 
So Didi gives the Yanks a 2-0 lead in the top of the first. Then you got Domingo Herman coming to the mound. Your ace this year, you know. The only, the one true guy who's been reliable, who's been fairly consistent for you all year. Who's been very consistent for you. Not tonight. <laughs> not Or yesterday, for that matter. No, he was not good. I mean... So he gets he gets a two nothing lead to work with, but right away he gives it up, and before you know it, it's the fifth inning, and the Yanks are down eight to two. They're down eight to two in the fifth inning. Within the snap of the fingers, the Twins are hitting home run after home run off of Herman, and they're up eight to two. But you know, come that top of the fifth, and the Yanks come climbing back, like I said, just like they've done all year, and once again it's Didi Gregorius, who has been on. Fire of late. He ended up with five hits and seven rubies in that game alone. And then tonight he goes out and hits three hits with three more rubies. But last night in the fifth inning, down eight to two, Didi's got two men on base for him. Takes a Kyle Gibson pitch, drives it. I don't know, pretty deep to uh, right field, and it's it's gone. So a three-run shot from Gregorius here makes it from eight to two. Two eight to five, and that's a big difference right there. You know, that's that's on the verge of being blown out to on the verge of tying this damn thing up. Especially with this freaking lineup. So he makes it eight to five. But following pattern, man, the recent trend of just Yankee pitchers not knowing how to pitch. What's his name goes out there? David Hale gives up a base runner. Very next player, I forget who it was, but knocks an RBI double. Nine to five, so it, it takes all the air, all the air out of the Yankees' dugout, and whatever, got to go back out there and you know, tack on them, uh, and not tack on, but got to go out, got to go back out there and keep chipping away, right? So the Yankee pitching does the job for a few innings, and come the eighth inning, here come the Bombers again, and this time, oh man, this time they go out there with four doubles to score five runs in the eighth, four doubles in one inning. Relentless. Relentless. Four doubles in the eighth inning to to put five runs on the board. And that would give them the 10-9 lead. It was Gio Urshela with the double. Then it was you know Mike Talkman with an RBI double. Aaron Judge with an RBI double. And later, Didi Gregorius with another big hit, getting the RBI double. So it becomes 10-9 Yanks as they throw Zach Britton out there for the bottom of the eighth. So you're figuring, okay, this is it, right? The Yanks have the lead. They're going to put this thing away and close the door. One trick, Zach goes out there, and he gives up a two-run bomb. And here we go again. From 10-9 to to 11-10 Twins, they've got the lead. Now the Yanks are in a position where they have to answer back in the top of the ninth, right? Or else the game's obviously over. Down 11-10. Who comes to the plate but the man of the night? Not even because of this at-bat, but ho-hum in this at-bat, Aaron Hicks, with Mike Talkman on first, goes deep for a two-run shot. A clutch-as-hell homer keeps the Yankees alive, thanks to Hicks. But here we go, Araldis Chapman in the bottom of the ninth. Now, if there is anyone on this planet who actually thought Araldis Chapman was going to get a nice, you know, easy breezy one, two, three in this ninth inning. 
you're delusional as hell. <laughs> and I'm not saying you should have expected him to blow in the save, expected him to blow in the save, but this guy never has a one, two, three, never has a clean inning. I mean, I, I was fully expecting it to at least be another heart attack, heart attack inning, and that's what we got. Chapman goes out there in the bottom of the ninth with the Yanks up a run, and he loads the bases by surrendering three straight walks to start the frame. Now, at this point, you got to take him out of the game, right? He just doesn't have it. Okay, closer doesn't have it. It's an important game. You have other assets in that pen you can use. No, Aaron Boone keeps his ass in there, and that just ticked me off. But, to Boone's credit and to Chapman's credit, he did not implode. Now, he'd eventually blow the save with the sack fly to make it 12-12. to But, considering the circumstance, who was on the mound, what his usual trend is, that's a hell of a win there by Chapman and Boone. I mean, it could have been way worse. So, he gets out of the inning, only letting up the tie. And this takes us to the top of the 10th. Glaber Torres takes the plate with two men on base. And he pokes a single to right field. Just doing what Glaber does, man. Always coming through clutch. Hitting over 400 with runners in scoring position. And I feel like nobody even notices that because he's so consistent. You know, but everybody talks about, you know, the DJs of the world. But Glaber has been so spectacular. So there he comes with the big hit to give the Yanks another another uh, run here. Gives them the lead. Later, Romine would score on a pass ball slash wild pitch. I forget what it was, but... This makes it 14 to 12 Yankees, and here we go again. Gonna have to pitch to win this thing, right? So come the bottom of the tenth, Aaron Boone goes with uh, Adam Ottavino, and Adam Ottavino has an issue throwing strikes. He's always had an issue his entire career. He's had an issue all season, despite him, you know, pitching effectively. He loads the bases. He walks three people. And so with two outs and the bases loaded, Boone takes him out for Chad Green. Now I know Green's been better of late. Better since he really better since he got uh called back up from the minors earlier this year. He's been better, but I never trust Green against against good hitting teams just because of the fact that he throws a, a straight up fastball down the pipe every time. He doesn't really have any other pitch that's effective consistently because he doesn't throw it often. So Green does what Green does, and he pumps the fastball right down the zone to um to Max Kepler, and Kepler lines one to right to left center field, and there is no way I thought this ball was being catch was being caught, but oh my god, it was caught. Aaron Hicks comes from center field, running. Diving, makes the catch. The Yanks take the victory. Aaron Hicks does a full-out Superman dive, catches the ball, and just like that, within inches, centimeters, the Yankees take the victory. It was the most spectacular play I've ever seen from a center fielder in a long time. I mean, just combine the athleticism, the IQ of taking an efficient route to the ball, the clutchness of the play, that was one of the best plays I've seen in a while. Because that ball, if that ball gets by him, or if that ball, you know, doesn't get caught, all three runs are scoring there for the Twins, and they're winning the goddamn ball game, right there, right then. 
So they, they I mean, I mean, centimeters. He caught that ball at the perfect timing just before it dropped. Dives out, full out dive, and he catches that thing. I mean, it was incredible. Clearly, clearly, clearly the player of the night, Aaron Hicks. But I mean, that's, that's, I'm saying that with Didi having friggin' seven RBIs. I mean, that's how good the offense was. That's how good everybody was. It was just a spectacular team effort. It was such a good team effort, man. I mean, Mike Talkman had another great game. This guy's been on fire. Has another good game tonight. So we move on to game three tonight. And once again, pound out 15 hits against Minnesota pitching. This time around, they you know, they pretty much, well, it wasn't as stressful. I mean, it was 10-7 to 7 in the end because um, Jay Happ is absolutely atrocious. And this pitching staff is a joke. I mean, I don't know what the hell they're going to do, but they're going to have to do something and get two very good pitchers here. Not one, two very good starting pitchers. We'll get to that in just a second, but the Yankee bats continued to be fabulous. So down two nothing already. <laughs> down two nothing. They go to the top of the second, and here they are again, stringing together excellent, excellent, excellent at bats. Um, it starts with a a double from Encar- Encarnacion. Then Gregorius staying on fire. He doubles him in for a run. Torres walks. Urshela moves both runners over to second and third. And then comes, uh, what's his face? Mike Talkman. He triples in two more. And then Romine hits a sack fly. So they did a little nice, nice little, you know, small ball manufacturing inning there to get them four runs to make it four to two in the second inning. Now, Minnesota did answer back with one more in the bottom of the inning, but so did the Yankees. They responded later. Hicks hits a homer uh, for a consecutive second consecutive night. Torres goes the yard. Glaber needed that big time because he's been he's been uh, I don't want to say struggling. He's hitting the hell out of the ball, but he hasn't hit a homer in over in about a month. He hits the home run, his twentieth of the season, and from there the Yankees really just keep tacking on. Hit after hit and shit. Didi has three more hits. And he had three more ribbies. I mean, they just talk with another great game. Judge had a, a couple more hits. They had a great all-around game. They end up scoring ten runs. Happ allows six. You know, the final score is ten-seven. But they get it done. Chapman actually pitched a pretty easy one-two-three inning when you consider how tough he makes it. Huh. Um, so they get the win, and we are all happy again. You know, the world's not ending. Just like at the beginning of that Rays series, just like at the end of the Rockies series, and at the beginning of this series, one loss can make us all overreact. Now, I'm I'm a big victim to that, too. I do it all the time. Trust me. But, um, no, we're in great shape, guys. We can't really... We got to be careful about this... Um, we do have to be careful about this pitching staff, man, what we do at the deadline here. Because that's the only thing that's going to hold us back if we don't do it correctly. You know, I'm I'm trying my best to stay optimistic here. But something tells me that at, on July 31st, Brian Cashman's going to go for some middling, middle-of-the-road journeyman in like Matthew Boyd, you know, Mike Miner, Mike Leak, some stupid-ass career journeyman who's not going to help the Yankee staff. That's the last thing I want. What I really do want 
is for the Yankees to stop hugging their prospects. Yes, that includes Floreal. Yes, that includes Garcia. To stop hugging those prospects, right? And put your chips on the goddamn table. Go all out. Get that number two. Because right now there aren't really any number ones out there. So get that number two. Get another number two. Get two of them. And go from there. Go out there this deadline, Brian Cashman, and show Yankees fans that you're finally going to be able to put together a capable starting staff. Something that you've never done in Lord knows how long. You're not great at starting pitching. I'm sorry, you can acquire great bats. You can acquire acquire these diamond in the rough type of bats. Voight, Talkman. You can get those guys that you find. You can pull out, you can pull them out of your ass to your shellos. One thing I, I've not been happy about is Brian Cashman's inability to get starting pitching, man. Over the years, we've seen him pass on top-notch pitching. Garrett Cole didn't want to trade up Frazier. You know, Justin Verlander didn't pull pull them didn't pull the trigger there. Uh, just this past offseason, three excellent, excellent guys you could have got. And Charlie Morton, who's having a Cy Young season. Uh, and Dallas Keuchel, who's been terrific for the Braves, and Patrick Corbin, who's having a very good year for the Diamond or for the uh, the Nationals. I mean, there's the three guys right there, and you didn't get one of them. Instead, you re- instead you re-sign Jay Happ, who's got a five something ERA for you. Instead, you re-sign Sabathia, who's got a four and a half ERA. I mean, what are we doing? Man, that's just pure money grabbing, is what that was. They didn't want to spend the money, of course. But Brian Cashman, this is really your last chance to acquire some starting pitching here. I tell you, man, you better get the damn thing done, and you better you better get the best pot- the best possible pitching that you can, because the the Bronx is going to start turning on your ass if you don't do something to significantly enhance this rotation, because it's not great. Fifteenth in ERA, twenty fourth in innings pitched. Um. All five starters have an ERA over four. It's not great, man. It's a decent rotation if you're just some middling team. But when you're a World Series contender, you know, you've got championship aspirations. It needs to be better than this. You can't settle for mediocre. You have to have a great staff. Pitching wins championships. So go out there. In about six days from now. Oh my god, six days away. Shit. Go out there in six days, Cash. And get me Stroman. Okay, get me Marcus Stroman. Guy pitched another gem tonight. His ERA is down to 296. He gives you at least six innings every time out. He's got the energy from the Bronx. He was born in Long Island. He was. He's a New York kid, man. He's perfect for this place, man. He's got the energy. I will, He would thrive in New York. And I don't know why people disrespect him. He's the best damn pitcher on this market. And I don't think Mad Bum's coming either. So take him away. Give me Marcus Stroman, man. And honestly, you're going to have to get somebody else too. And I wouldn't hate getting somebody like Syndergaard. I really think Syndergaard... I know you're going to hate me for that. But I really think Syndergaard has some potential here. Now listen, I'm not like... I wouldn't get Syndergaard as the primary guy. I'd only take the I'd only take the chance on him if the Strowman was coming, if you know somebody else was coming with him. 
But I do think there's a ceiling there. The guy's 26. He hasn't been terrible in his career. He's had a good career. It's just not been up to the expectations yet. So I really think there's some untapped potential there in the 26-year-old Syndergaard. I know the the ego's not a good thing. You know, I don't know how he's going to be with... Guy calls himself friggin' uh, Thor. But I don't know. There's something about Syndergaard that... that Excites me. I take him. I do it. I get rid of Garcia, Estrada, Frazier. <sighs> I don't want to send him to the Mets, though. That's the thing. Fuck the Mets. But no, I mean, I, I think I'd take the chance with him, though, all in all. But only if they get somebody like Stroman first. I do think they're definitely going to need two pitchers, man. One will not cut it. One's not going to cut it, man. Do you see this rotation? You got two old men, right? An injury-prone... Pitcher and Paxson, you know, Tanaka waits till, till October, that's fine, whatever. But Herman, you know, he's been good, but he's an unpredictable prospect. He could get shelled going forward, and nobody would really be surprised because he has no track record. So you need some reliability. So get two pitchers, man. What's the harm? You have the assets. You have the money to t- take on these contracts. You have everything to do. You're in an excellent position to get some pitching. Go do it. All right, I think that's it. Um, I did. I wanted to talk about a few more things, but it's nearing two two a.m. It's one thirty four right now. I'm tired. I got work in the morning. I want to go to bed. I kind of wanted to talk to you guys about Gary Sanchez um, and the injury. Uh, he was injured injured during that game of the year in the middle game of the set. Um, he left late in the game, pulled a groin. The second time in two years where he was hurt running to first base. Um, it's He's always hurt every year, though. It's something. You know, you go back to two years ago when he missed all of April. Then you go back to last year. Um, last year, he, he only played 89 games. This year, he's already... Now, this is his second DL stint. So, I mean, he's... Man, it's... He's such a question mark with me, man. And it's a shame because I, I was so high on him originally. And not that I've dropped that far on him, but it's just more of a question mark now. Is he going to be able to stay healthy? Is he going to be able to to reach his ceiling as a hitter? As that all-around hitter that we saw when he first came up? As that all-around hitter that he was consistently profiled as from the scouts? You know, that was the big thing on him, this all-around power hitter, this judging type hitter, you know, who's going to hit for average, who hit 280-plus, but still have, you know, he's going to have the the OPS no matter what because he slugs. But the thing with him is, is he going to be a streaky slugger or is he going to be an all-around hitter, you know? There's a difference between having a 900 OPS with a, a sub-250 average and having a 900 OPS with a you know a 280 average, there's a big difference there. So is he going to be a hitter for average, or is he just going to be a streaky slugger who goes through these friggin' prolonged slumps and doesn't really reach his ceiling as a hitter? That's just my thing with him. So we'll find out. I don't know. Maybe I'm jumping the gun, but I'm just the first half of his early career went so well, and now we're seeing the second half of him of his early career. Where it's like, okay, who the hell are you? So we'll find out. I don't know. Hopefully hopefully he gets some well-needed rest. 
on this DL stint. Hopefully it's not too long though because I want to I want him back out there getting back into a rhythm because with him they are a different lineup um when he's at his best. So we'll see what happens there. Also coming back from injury, coming back from injury is Cameron Mabin. Mabin's in a uh he's on a rehab assignment right now. I think he homered last night. So he'll be coming back soon. He's going to have to replace someone if they put him back in there. But Mike Talkman, man, kind of hard to take him out of the lineup right now. He came into the night hitting 500 over his last 12 games, and he had two more hits tonight. So that's going to go up. I mean, it's hard when you have too much talent, man. But I guess, I guess those are the perks of being a Yanks fan. So we'll see what happens, guys. I want to thank you so much for coming by. I'm tired gonna go to bed and thank you so much for stopping by once again episode 12 this has been rob carbone thanks so much for checking me out and i'll see you in the blog tomorrow all right ciao